Hello and welcome to another Spency on Soaps with me, Susan Spence. We're looking forward to the week of June 28th in the world of Emmerdale, Coronation Street and EastEnders. And it is the final week that we have to put up with the soap timings being mucked about because, of course, the World Cup has been on. Although I have to say, I'll kind of miss the World Cup being on. It's quite nice watching an afternoon match. And uh, then an an evening one, isn't it, really? So I I wasn't actually too bothered that the soaps were mucked up. And sometimes it just gives you that little bit of a reprieve, doesn't it? So EastEnders then, and the game is up for Lucas as Owen's body is unearthed. Bizarrely, it's Fat Boy who does the deed while mucking about with his mates. Mercy shoves him and he falls backwards into the tree, causing it to snap. Now, it's when they try to replace it with one from the allotment that the grisly discovery is made. Unbeknown to them, Lucas is hiding in the shadows, as he does, and has seen everything. He heads home knowing it's the game's up, basically, and confesses all to a stunned Denise. Now, at first, she doesn't believe him. She thinks it's his idea of a sick joke. But as it sinks in, she tells him she'll stand by him. Can you believe it? Um, Her rationale is that she doesn't want Owen to ruin her life for a second time. However, as they're hatching a plan, the police knock at the door and Denise is asked to go to the police station for questioning. It's as she leaves that she catches Lizzie's eye and realises it's her ex-mother-in-law who's put her in the frame. And I suppose, really, in a way, you can work out why people would put two and two together. But, I mean, you know, have you seen Denise? She'd turn sideways and you'd miss her. There's no way she could kill anybody. She couldn't kill a fly, let alone anything else. She just hasn't got it in her physically, let alone any other kind of way. It's quite sad, actually, when you see Liz being told the news that it's Owen's body who's been dug up because not only is it a huge shock, but the fact that he's been there and she'd been walking back and forth every five minutes and her son's been buried under a tree. Um, It's the end to a hideous week for Denise. She and Lucas argue uh, at the beginning when Fat Boy playfully kisses her at a party at the community centre and Denise tells him that at least Fat Boy wanted to touch her unlike him. So that's the state of their relationship. Uh, She then takes advice from Shirley, like he would. And she goes home to wait for Lucas wearing a red basque under her dressing gown. You've probably seen the pictures uh, in the papers. Uh, Lucas returns with chocolates and flowers as an apology, but as she drops the gown, he sees red. Forgive the pun. It's not the red of the basque. The red mist comes down and says, forgive me, as he kicks the bedroom door shut. And Denise shouts his name, but let's just say not in a good way. And then there are scenes where the basket is ripped. He's kind of running after her, trying to console her and say, oh, I'm sorry and all of this kind of thing. And let's pray. You're like, you know what you can do with your praying, matey. Um, so it's a bizarre situation, not a nice situation either. And the rest of the people in the house, like Libby and Patrick and all of that lot, know that there's something not quite right, especially when a bed is made up um, in the in the lounge. Now, Peggy and Glenda, or should I actually say that before we go on to Peggy and Glenda, that that storyline is now obviously going to run and run um, for the next couple of weeks because we've all seen the pictures of Denise being fished out of the water. Is she dead or alive? Let's get rid of Lucas and let's give her a decent storyline. I absolutely love the actress who plays her and I think, you know, we should do a bit more than always have her with, you know, being a victim. She's like Ronnie, isn't she? Um, Peggy and Glenda are vying for the title of Mum of the Year. I don't like this storyline. Um, an ATCD proves to be Glenda's secret weapon as she and Ronnie and Roxy reminisce about the past by putting on a show in the pub, much to Peggy's annoyance. Now, it's not a show as in a full-blown show. They just kind of do some dance routine that they all used to do back in the 80s. 
You remember, you did that kind of thing. I remember doing that kind of thing to Michael Jackson's Don't Blame It on the Boogie. <laughs> I'll let your imagination go on that one. Uh, not that it lasts long, the whole thing, because Glenda's nose is later put out of joint when a guy offers to buy Ronnie a drink. And when she refuses, Glenda steps in, only to be slapped down as he tells her she's too old. Surprisingly, Peggy defends her nemesis and throws the punter out. It's all a bit like a game of ping pong, this, because Glenda tells Peggy that Roxy only lets her stay out of pity. Then when Peggy sees Ronnie and Glenda with their heads together... Ronnie's about to confide that Archie abused her. She tells Roxy that Glenda's been bad-mouthing Archie, prompting Roxy to ask her mum to leave. So, just how far will Glenda go to get back at Peggy? Further than you think. Self-esteem? I'm not sure she has any. Now, can someone please tell me why Stacy doesn't tell Becca to get lost? And that's the polite version. How annoying is that girl? She's right in there when Stacy brings her baby daughter home, throwing baby names at her and all this kind of thing. And when Ryan arrives with a bunch of red roses for her, Becca tells him Stacy doesn't need any visitors. Now, thankfully, Stacy overhears and gives her mate an earful. Uh, she and Ryan share a bit of a moment. That's Stacy and Ryan, not Becca and Ryan. And later, Stacy tells Becca about the kiss and about the bet and all that kind of thing. And she also reveals that she's chosen a name. She's going to call her little girl Lily, which is quite nice. I quite like the name Lily. Uh, also this week, Ryan softens towards Janine when he realises how much she needs him. Leon tells Zaza uh, that his mum died in a car crash. And Dot tells... It's quite a sad story, that one, actually. And Dot tells Peggy, Roxy and Ronnie that the body in the gardens is Owens, or was Owens, shall we say. On to Emmerdale then, and the person behind Mark's reappearance is revealed after sending flowers. They up the ante. When I say they up the ante, I think it's Kane. Um, and he, let's just say he, he ups the ante, which you see, I'll have, um, what's the expression? Egg on my face if it's not Kane. Um, he ups the ante by sending Declan a dry, clean suit belonging to Mark. Furious, Declan confronts Nathan, because, of course, it's obvious. Nathan hates him. He wants to warn him off um, his mum, so why wouldn't he? And he gets quite physical with him, actually. Nathan, of course, denies it, and Declan is left confused when Natasha defends him. He tells her that they can't go on together unless she says what's going on, and she tells him everything. So Natasha refuses, as you can understand, and the pair split. Which is a bit of a shame, but she has other things to be uh, occupying her mind. Nathan is spooked later on when he receives a note on his car saying, What are you hiding? And then he discovers a crumpled photo of Mark in his pocket. How did it get there? Now, Natasha later catches Nathan taking money from the safe and refuses to play ball when he reveals that the blackmailer wants cash. She then meets the mystery person in a lay-by, Kane, and tells him she's got nothing to hide and she won't be paying a penny. However, Natasha's left wondering if she's done the right thing when a birthday present appears on the doorstep for Maisie. Nathan thankfully manages to quickly rip off a tag which is signed from Dad before she notices and he and Natasha are quite relieved when it turns out to be a watch. Nothing more sinister than that. Uh, the games don't end there though and soon Natasha will be... be the games don't end there though and soon Natasha will be regretting her actions when Will goes missing. We'll talk about that next week. Now, Marlon runs over Shadrach. Oh, dear. He and Rona enjoy a night out, and the poor girl spends most of it vying for a compliment, and it takes the dimwit until the journey home before he takes the hint. It's bad timing, though, because just as he turns to her, a drunken shadow walks into the path of the car. Bump. 
Sadly, he lives. But Marlon is lumbered with his uncle when he tells him that he'll move in with him to ease his guilt for running him over. Only Shadrach could do that, eh? Now, there's more to this story than meets the eye because Andy Devine, who plays Shadrach, is leaving the soap. And while at the hospital, he's told by doctors to lay off the drink or he'll end up in an early grave. Shadders without the can in his hand? That's like Zack without his cap. It's just not going to happen. Or will it? Now, the Bartons are back. Holly vows to make a fresh start after her drugs drama and her parents repay her commitment by letting her take a job in the Woolpack kitchen. Oh, what fine fellows they are. However, it's not long before temptation appears in the form of bad girl Roz, who wants her mate to go out on the town. Holly refuses... But for how long can she resist? Maisie's confused and upset when Nicole knocks back her advances. Just what is he hiding? I'm dying to know this one. I haven't had a chance to go ahead into the storyline yet, so I genuinely don't know what that is at the moment. Um, also this week, Doug is still suspicious of Charlie as he questions Rodney about Charlie's job. We kind of know that something's not quite right here. Uh, Layla's confused when a guilty David refuses Declan's offer to get Jackson to work on the shop for free. She's like thinking, why would you do that? Bob worries about his job as Diane plans to sell up and Carl makes it clear that Shadrach is not welcome, which is kind of how the whole accident thing happens. On to Coronation Street then, and hell hath no fury like a boyfriend scorned. Actually, that really should be like a boyfriend and an ex-boyfriend scorned. Jason and David have their own ways of dealing with Tina and Graham's new relationship. Jason changes the locks on the flat and then when Graham tries to get in by climbing a ladder he chucks Tina's belongings into the street. Hearing the commotion, David offers to help by speaking to Jason. Nice move. But his ulterior motive soon becomes clear when he tells Jason he has a plan to split them up. He places doubt in Graham's mind that Tina's on the rebound and then questions her about whether it's a good idea to start a new relationship while she's so vulnerable. Hmm. Will the plan work? We shall see. It's not all bad for Tina, though. Graham has his own ideas about how to keep his lady happy. Uh, he takes her on a romantic rickshaw ride along the canal and arranges a picnic too, which she absolutely loves. Uh, she's also chuffed when Rita offers her a spare room in her flat. These two got on quite well, actually. Quite a good little couple. Uh, what about Graham? Well, rumour has it he'll bunk up with Emily and Norris. And, of course, Norris is absolutely going to hate it. Now, Lloyd gets a beating and Cheryl gets fired. When the cabbie picks her up outside the strip club, he's horrified to see her black eye. Jumping to conclusions, as he does, he storms into the club and punches the order Mal. His bouncers step in and start laying into him and Cheryl gets fired as a result. Oh, well done, Lloyd. She reveals that it was actually her violent husband, Chris, who hit her and it's not the first time. Lloyd can't understand why she won't go to the police and when he reluctantly drops her off, Chris watches on as she thanks Lloyd with a hug. Now, his worries don't end there when Steve demands to know why the strip club taxi contract has been cancelled. Becky and Steve get some good news from the adoption people. Despite Steve's concerns, Becky impresses with her story of her cuddly toy. Quite good, this uh, particular storyline, actually. And Eddie also strikes gold as he talks of his pride in Gary. Uh, Nick's thrilled when the girls finish the order before the deadline and Dave rewards them with another order. Not everyone's happy, though. Natasha's disappointed to lose her hold on Nick when he pays her back sooner than expected. Remember she gave him that loan? All seems to be going well for Nick's Nick's. But watch out. Carla is back next week 
and all will not be well. Also this week, Sean uses Lizzie's identity to make contact with Violet. Fizz puts down a deposit on a holiday, like you're going to get there, and a drunken Deirdre exposes Ken's escort secret to Audrey and Lewis. Apparently Ken was an escort years ago. Do you remember that? I'm not sure I do, although something kind of is ringing a bell when I read that. Uh, So there you go. You're up to date with Coronation Street, EastEnders and Emmerdale for the week of June 28th. Uh, Check the TV guides to make sure uh, you don't miss any of them if you do watch all the soaps, uh, because otherwise they are completely skew-whiff at the moment. For example, I think EastEnders is only on for, I think, Wednesday for an hour and then Thursday, something like that. It's all over the place, but it's the last week it'll do that. Um, I'm Susan Spence. Thanks for listening to Spencey on Soaps. See you next week.